Well, this morning we are in Exodus 5. If you would stand with me, if you've got a Bible, open it up. Uh, we've, all, we've got Bibles here available if you, anybody needs one. It's also on our screens. Uh, for this passage today particularly, uh, read it imaginatively. See it. See what's going on. Exodus 5. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with a pestilence or with a sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made, that they made in the past you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men, that they may labor by it and pay no regard to lying words. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task each day as when there was straw. And the foreman of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Then the foreman of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks. And behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle, you are idle. That is why you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foreman of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, the Lord look on you and judge because you have made a stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants. And I put a sword in their hands, the hand to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. This is the word of God. Please be seated. Church, this is going to be a highly relevant passage to our lives. 
Because Moses is going to know the pain of disappointment, including disappointment with God. Now, here is the back story that we've been seeing the last several weeks. In Exodus 3, Moses is out in the boonies in Midian. God appears to him in a burning bush that does not burn up and says, Moses, go back to Egypt. Go back to your people. Go back to Pharaoh and lead your people out of Egypt. Moses wants none of it. He is afraid. He is comfortable. He doesn't want any of it. He brings uh, objection, pushback, uh, excuses why he shouldn't go. But finally God says, Moses, go. I'm going to let Aaron, your brother, go with you, but go. And so he goes. Now, his, his big concern right off the bat is the people of Israel, the leaders of the Jews, they're not going to believe me that God spoke to me out in the burning bush. And so he has great concern about that. Well, the passage right before uh, chapter 5 says this. This is what happens when he goes back to the leaders. Chapter 4, verse 30, Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. You know, the, the staff into the serpent, hand turns leprous, did those signs in the sight of the people, and the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshiped. Now, Moses had great fear they wouldn't believe him. He insisted on that to God. But here he comes back. They uh, speak to the leaders. They bow their heads and worship that God has heard their cries and seen their suffering. And so, no doubt, Moses is greatly relieved, uh, encouraged, uh, optimistic that God is at work here and, and that he's going to work in Pharaoh. And so now it is time to go to Pharaoh and make the ask. Ancient world, the kings tended to have an open-door policy that any subject could come in and make a request of the king. So here comes Moses and Aaron to ask Pharaoh to let his people go. He begins, thus says the Lord. Now that famous phrase in the Bible, all through the Old Testament, first occurs right here in Exodus 5.1 is Moses, who is being called to be the prophet of God, this is what God says. Thus says the Lord. And he, he, he speaks that uh, God says, let my people go. And he's so hopeful. But how does Pharaoh respond? Uh, couldn't have been worse. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? And a few weeks ago, I mentioned to you with Exodus 3, that in the English Bibles, whenever you see Lord capitalized, uh, it doesn't somehow in PowerPoint translate into uh, all caps, but in your English Bibles, all caps, Lord, renders Yahweh, that covenant name. I'm going to be with you. I am that I am. And so Pharaoh is saying, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Moreover, I will not let, let, let Israel go. Now, if there is one statement that Pharaoh makes in the book of Exodus that typifies and epitomizes his defiance and pride and stubbornness, it's that one. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? Well, he's going to find out in the coming months who is the Lord. But Pharaoh, you know, 
first complete rejection. So Moses and Aaron appeal again in verse 3 and in fact say, please let our people go. The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go. Well, uh, it's not going to be positive right away. There's trouble right away when they go to Pharaoh. And as we have seen the last several chapters, this is the will of God that Moses and Aaron go to Pharaoh and ask for the people to leave. This is God's call. But what we're going to see in this passage is that God's call does not mean it's going to be easy. And that's not only true of Moses and Aaron, that's true of you and me. Here is the first of a half dozen principles we're going to see in this passage. Just because God calls us to something doesn't mean it will be easy. Maybe God called you to, to, to move across country to Houston, and then you lose your job. God, uh, did, did I miss you? Well, not necessarily. Don't assume that. Because God's call doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't throughout the Bible, and it doesn't in our lives. Because God uses the suffering and the pain to make us more dependent upon Him, to, to learn things that you and I would not learn and could not learn apart from, from, the, from the tough times. And we see this all through, all through scriptures. You know, God called Moses to go to Egypt. Is he going to be easy? He's going to have all sorts of problems with Pharaoh, and then he's going to have a Red Sea and an army coming down on him, and then he's going to have 40 years in the wilderness. Why would you and I expect that our lives would be easy in the will of God if all through the Bible, God's people, God's men and women who are, who are obeying him, um, it's not easy for them. Paul, when he comes to Christ on that road to Damascus, that, by the way, we could see from the border of Israel last week, that same road that Paul was on. When Paul came to faith, God caused him to go to the Gentiles. You're going to be my main representative. Was it easy? Hardly. In fact, God warned him. He said, I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Not because God wants him to, to have pain, but because God knows that Paul needed to learn dependence and, 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 and gratitude and endurance and hope and so many other things. It's just the way we humans are. So um, you may be right in the middle of God's will with marriage, with adoption, with a ministry, with getting rid of some sin in your life, with, with uh, something, with, with work, uh, starting something, and it's been so hard. Well, God's will does not mean that it's going to be easy. C.S. Lewis perhaps put it most memorably when he said, God whispers in our pleasures, he speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. It is. A.W. Tozer perhaps put it even more strongly when he said, it is doubtful that God can never use any man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. Have you been hurt deeply? Have you gone through some tough suffering in your life? Sure you have if you're very old at all. Well, don't waste it because God wants to shape your soul and to, to help you grow in, in faith and life and character as a man or woman of God. It's just what God uses. Every person 
in the Bible that God used significantly. Abraham, 25 years, kill your own son. Uh, Moses, 40 years in the desert, 40 years in the wilderness, all kind of problems. David, chased around Israel by uh, Saul, uh, misunderstood him completely. Uh, on and on and on. New Testament, you see the same things. You see it with Paul. You see it with the apostles. You see it with Jesus. It was the will of God that Jesus come to die for us and to save us. Was it easy? Oh, no. The will of God meant a cross. Why would we think we would have smooth sailing to heaven if we're followers of Jesus? Well, rejection right away. They appeal, but it gets worse because now Pharaoh answers and says, look, you got too much time on your hands. You are slackers. When he says twice, you are idle, you are idle. You know, it's, it's, it's like saying you're slackers. And he says, do the same amount of work, but you get your own straw. Before that, they had apparently these big bundles of straw to you know, to use in their brick making, but now they've got to go out and gather the stubble that's left over in the fields. You know, twice as hard, twice as much work. The, the foreman, the, the Israeli foreman, are under great pressure from the Egyptian taskmasters to produce the same quotas every day, and they don't hit them. And so the scriptures say they are beaten. Finally, they, they go to Pharaoh themselves, appeal to him, you know, please give us straw. Pharaoh is unrelenting. As we read in verse 17, you are idle, you are idle. That is why you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now, gather your own straw. He, he is unrelenting. And so we see it again, that God's call does not mean things will be easy. It, God's call does not mean there will be no suffering. God's call does not mean there will be failure. Now Moses and Aaron, in Exodus 5, there's going to be failure. God's call does not mean there won't be failure. You start a business, God led you to do it. It, it goes horribly. It fails. God, where are you? Well, God's call does not mean there won't be failure. And that's the second principle we see in this passage. With God, failure is never final, never fatal. It's not. Moses and Aaron failed in Exodus 5, but was it final? No. By the end of the story, God will rescue them. You know, for us, in the New Testament, there is a promise, a sure promise of God that our failures will never be fatal. It's found in Romans 8.28. It doesn't mention the word failure, but it is a sure promise. And it goes this way. God causes all things to work. Well, that's the version that I know it in. Here's the version that's on the screens. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Now that is a promise of God that no matter how you have failed, it won't be fatal or final. God will redeem it. Think about some of the ways you failed. We've all got them. Think about your greatest failure. It is not final if God is in charge. If you are part of God's people, He will redeem it and bring good out of it in some way or the other. Peter failed in denying Jesus three times. What did God do? He restores him. 
makes him the leader of the church? What is your biggest failure in your life? Perhaps you're thinking that uh, you're disqualified from ministry and really being used by God. That is your greatest qualification because now you can depend upon God in your weakness. Maybe you're at a quitting point for some reason. I bet Moses was at a quitting point. I bet he wanted to get back to Midian uh, right away. And there are times where God does lead us to stop something that we were on. But so many times, he wants us to persevere through the quitting points. Maybe right now, you're at a quitting point, and God is calling you to endure. Maybe in marriage. Maybe in wrestling with some sin. Maybe in battling some addiction. Uh, maybe a calling to some ministry that has been so hard. Uh, and God wants you to endure and push through the quitting point. The third principle that we see in this passage, not only do we see that uh, God's call does not mean no suffering, but the third principle, God warns us in advance that there will be suffering. So there's no doubt about it. He warns us. Let me just show you with Moses and then with us. Back in chapter 4, a passage we did not read, in verse 21, uh, Moses and Aaron you know, God's still talking with Moses about going. And this is what he says to him in 21. The Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. I've told you right up, right up the start, I'm going to harden his heart. By the way, that is a tough theological issue about Pharaoh's heart being hardened, and we'll get to that, I'm sure, at some point. But God had warned him, it's not going to be easy. I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. You're not going to waltz in there and he's just going to let these people go. I will harden his heart. There is going to be suffering, Moses. It's going to be tough. Now, church, for us, time after time in the Scriptures, God warns you and me that life is going to be hard. Some examples. Hebrews 12, 6 says, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Every single one. Or 2 Timothy 3.12, which says, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, some way or the other. Or Romans 8.18, Paul says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Not worth to compare. And he had a ton of sufferings. And, and the Bible says this sort of thing time after time after time. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. Not if, when. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Uh, God warns you and me repeatedly. Life's not going to be easy. Uh, this is not heaven yet. Life is hard. We need the discipline of God. We need the, the trials so that we are more dependent upon God, more grateful, more hopeful, more enduring. We need it. It's God's megaphone to rouse the deaf world. Perhaps Oswald Chambers said it best when he says, no one advances in the Christian life very much at all until he recognizes that life is not orderly. It is tragic. Did you become a Christian under false pretenses? Did somebody's uh, uh, mislead you to say, man, life is going to be easy? Well, that is not biblical. Uh, God uses the pain 
And no one is going to advance in the Christian life until you understand this is not heaven. We're headed to heaven. And we want more and more of the will of God here on earth, but this is not heaven yet. Life is not orderly. It is messy. It's messy. And so we have to trust God. We get to trust God. Oswald Chambers himself, remarkable life. There's no book that's had more impact for the kingdom of God besides the Bible than his devotional writing that his wife put together after he died. My utmost for his highest. Oswald Chambers was 43 years old in World War I, a chaplain in the British Army in Cairo, Egypt. He hasn't been married that long. He married uh, quite late. He's got a little toddler daughter, and uh, he's having a great ministry to the, the troops whose lives are on the line. He gets this appendix problem. They botch the surgery. He dies in Cairo, Egypt, with a fairly recent wife and a little toddler girl and a great ministry. He's 43 years old. No one's going to advance in the Christian life until they recognize life is not orderly. It is tragic. And so we trust the Lord as we set our sights on heaven that we are headed to. 1 Peter 4.12, so strong when it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trials when it comes upon you to test you. Don't be surprised. So what do you do in light of it? If, there are, if life is hard for you right now, those of you who've been laid off from your work, those of you who've had great struggles with a teenager, great, those of you who have uh, been betrayed by a friend, those of you who've, who've had a tough diagnosis, uh, those of you who have great financial pressure, what do you do in light of that? Because the Bible warns us it's coming. Well, the very next verse, Peter says, after saying, do not be surprised, his next words in verse 13, but rejoice. And so far as you share Christ's sufferings, rejoice. Rejoice. Are you doing that this morning? Uh, you know, how many of us have some big challenge going on right now? Well, that would be all of us. I mean, this is not heaven. Are you rejoicing? What's that mean? Not a big plastic smile. I'm not answering people, you know, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Um, it's, Lord, as hard as this is, you are God, you are good, and I'm going to trust you. God, thank you that as hard as this is, you will see me through. It's worshiping God. It's showing up with God's people and singing praises to God despite the pain. That's what it means to rejoice. And that's what people of faith do. And that's what God calls you and me to do. Okay, so Moses has this great disappointment now, he and Aaron, when the foremen go in to appeal again to Pharaoh, they have great hopes that now at last, you know, maybe Pharaoh's going to relent. They're waiting outside the castle to hear what Pharaoh's got to say. And what happens? Well, it couldn't be worse. Back to Exodus chapter 5, verse 20. They met Moses and Aaron who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh. And they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge because you have made a stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants. And I put a sword in their hand to kill us. So the very people that Moses and Aaron have gone all of this distance to help and to serve now turn against them. 
I mean, it's one thing for Pharaoh, their enemy, to reject them, but now the people that they've come to help, they turn against them. And so it's gotten even worse. What does Moses do in light of that? Well, that's those strong two verses that I concluded the reading on. Verse 22, then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Uh, the word can be translated evil or trouble. It has the idea here of God permitting the evil. Why have you done this? Why have you allowed this, God? Why did you ever send me here? Can you sense his frustration with God? Of course you can. He says, for since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Lord, you have sat on your hands. You have not done one thing to help. I mean, Moses is talking to God, and God takes those words and puts it in Scripture for all eternity. Do you think that perhaps this is an example that when we are hurting and we are frustrated with God, we shouldn't tell God what should be in our hearts, but what actually is in our hearts? that we should be honest with God. You see it all through the Bible. You saw it with David repeatedly in the Psalms. You see it with Job. How could you? You see it with Jeremiah and prophets. You see it here with Moses. You see it with Jesus hanging on a cross, bearing your sin. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Here's the principle. Keep talking to God and be honest with Him. Whenever you are hurting and frustrated, keep talking. The worst thing is when you stop talking to God, then you're in trouble. When you withdraw, keep talking and be honest with God. God is big enough to handle your honesty. He knows what's in your heart anyway. There's something about it that's powerful. Some of us are old enough to remember the musician Michael Card having a great impact, 80s and 90s. This is his experience. He says, My experience with lament and with the living God occurred several years ago when I was diagnosed with a degenerative liver disease. My father had died when I was 17 and now faced with the possibility that I might die, leaving behind my 17-year-old son and 14-year-old daughter, I was overwhelmed with feelings of anger and confusion and pain. When I finally let go and cried out to God, it was in fury and frustration that I unleashed on him, accusing him, questioning him. It did not make any sense to me. How could a loving God allow my children to go through the pain that I'd gone through? I had done all that he had asked of me. I had been a faithful servant, made the right choices. Why was he doing this to me? How dare he? I was certain that I had pushed him too far, that I was now going to experience his wrath and condemnation for my raging unbelief. But what I found instead was great mercy and tenderness. I experienced his loving kindness in a way that I had never experienced before. He had been waiting all along for me to come to the end of myself and fall on my knees before him. He had been waiting for me to be completely honest with him, with who I was instead of who I thought I should be. And I realized that it was in my brokenness and weakness that I was truly able to know the tremendous love that my great God has for me. 
He could take anything that I hurled at him. He was not going to let me go. Now, church, that's hard for us. That's not the way the church functions today. It is not the way I function so much of my life. But over and over, we see this truth taught in the Scriptures. Whatever you're going through, keep talking and be honest with God. Now, as long as you are praying to some extent, you're trusting God. Prayer is the sure sign that you're trusting God. So there is a corollary principle five. Whatever you go through, choose to trust the Lord and keep praying. If you're praying, to some extent, you believe God is there. God is God. God can do something about it. So it shows faith to some extent, however feeble. And you know that God listens and cares. In fact, God had told Moses right at the outset, way back in chapter 3, he says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. You know, I know what they've gone through. I, I, have come, I will come down to rescue them. God is underscoring, I know all that you're going through. And friends, today, for you and me, he is the same God. And he knows he sees, he understands all that you're going through. And he promises, I will be with you. I will be with you, no matter what it is. The sixth principle, I mean, Moses is thinking, oh no, what's going on? Here's the sixth principle. God's delay does not mean God's denial. Uh, there's a denial now, but it wasn't final. And we'd see it's just a delay. And what was true of Moses will be true of us. God's delay does not mean God's denial. He will come through for us. May not be on our timetable, may not be in the way we want, but God will see us through. Now, the greatest example of that is not just what God did for the Israelites that I saw, I know, I heard, I came down, but what God did in Jesus Christ. Because our greatest problem of all, our greatest hurt of all was a Christless eternity with the wrath of God upon us for all eternity. And God saw, he heard, he understands, and he came down to rescue us in the person of his son and died on a cross. And forever after, we can know God will see us through. He will see you through. What are you going through this morning, church? What's God saying to you about it? Just because God calls us to something doesn't mean it will be easy. With God, failure is never final, never fatal. God warns us in advance there will be suffering. Keep talking to God and be honest with God. Whatever you go through, choose to trust the Lord and, to, and so keep praying. God's delay does not mean God's denial. Church, stand with me if you would. <clears throat> and for a few moments before I close this, just ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me today? What do you have for me? Go ahead.
Lord, I pray that we would all be people of faith who trust you, who keep praying, who don't, you know, wonder, you know, where are you? Why did you let me down, Lord God? Because we know that you're a faithful God. Lord, life is so hard, but you are so good. Help us to know it. Help us never to confuse you with life. Lord God, I know that this is a tough season, tough season with the economy, but there's so much else with marriages and children and, and health issues and all kind of problems, Lord. It's just part of our lives. Lord, would you extend your grace and mercy to every single person here because we need it. Friend, if, if you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, that's your biggest need. Your sin problem, separating you from all of God and all that is good. Right now, just breathe a prayer and say, Jesus, come and save me. Come and save me. And he'll do it. He'll do it. Lord, we love you. And we want to trust you.